0: Let me just pray real quick, and then we'll we'll get into our lesson. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you have given us to gather, to study your word, to worship you in music and song, in service, in uh, study. Lord, please um, settle our hearts and minds. Help us to focus on you, focus on your word, to listen, to understand. To apply your word to our lives, that we may be more obedient, more faithful to you, Lord. Please um, be with us this hour as we look into um, the proverbs, specifically those that speak of how we can be uh, better stewards of our time and our resources, especially in the workplace and in the in the marketplace. Lord, um, please work through me. Um, in spite of my failures and my weaknesses, that your people may learn and grow. Lord, we pray these things in in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Alright, so uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Joe Divalbis. Um, If you can't pronounce that, you can just call me uh, Joe D or Mr. D as my wife and I have told the little ones that we have ministered to. Um, From what I gather... um, the previous teachers have had you guys gather in the center. Um, that's up to you. If you want to gather in the center, that's fine. If you want to stay where you're at, that's fine with me. I'm okay. Um, so I have a slideshow um, that just goes over overview of the lesson, so um, you can watch that. I also have, um, I only printed off two of these. These are handouts, but you don't need them for the lesson. They're just an overview, and the, at the back they have... Uh, resources. I only print off two because I don't want to print off 50 and only 10 of them were taken and then I waste a bunch of paper. But you can make copies or if you want me to send you an electronic version, um, you can come up afterwards and give me your email. I'll send that to you. Um, the, the biggest um, or the most important reason for that is a, a, at the end, I have some links to some resources um, on this topic. Most of them are our sermons or some blog articles and a couple books that might be helpful if you want to do further study so uh the lesson for today um is um marketplace wisdom it's in the the practicing proverbs book that you all are going through how how many of you of show of hands have been um to every uh every study here through the whole book okay Just a few of you, and and the rest of you are kind of here and there, been through a couple. Um, How many of you have the book? Okay, so there's just a few. Okay, the book, um, because I I was asked to to do this and um, to teach this lesson, and I was given a copy of the book, or or someone loaned a copy of the book to me, so I could look through it. it. It's basically so the practicing proverbs book for those of you that haven't seen it or um it's it's just an overview of the proverbs um dr mayhew who is the dean of the master seminary has had taken um a look at the proverbs and he divided it up into categories uh, the, there's the first i think three or four chapters is is a lot of introductory material into the proverbs and how we can apply them to our lives it's it's a practical but then the the rest of probably the second half of the book um, breaks it up into categories and he pretty much just lists those proverbs that go into the categories and some of them are like intellectual wisdom family wisdom um, and then this one that we're studying today is is marketplace wisdom so um, just by way of introduction, I, I'm going to go through the purpose of proverbs, the pedagogy of proverbs, how we learn proverbs, or how proverbs is is set up to teach, and then the practice of proverbs. So, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Proverbs chapter one, and right away the purpose of proverbs. So. I'm going to do a little bit of interaction. Most of it I'll I'll be speaking, but there might be a little bit of interaction. Who can tell me um, just the purpose of Proverbs? Why why do Proverbs exist? Why are they in our Bibles? Why why is that book in our Bible? To show us wisdom? Yeah. Anybody else? What 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 do you think the proverbs? What what do you think the purpose of the proverbs had towards the the everyday Jew, um, you know, in the Old Testament time or after you know Solomon, Solomon to Jesus? What what do you think that the the significance of it was? Instruction. Yep. Um, Yep, practical living, practical application of wisdom, wisdom principles, how to live life. So in in the beginning of, of Proverbs, in the first chapter, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, let the wise hear an increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Actually, I went a little bit further. So basically, um, verses two, 2 to 6 set out the purpose uh, of these proverbs. And who's familiar with a catechism you know a catechism is a a catechism is, is usually just a set of questions and answers that you use to to teach your your children teach your children um you know just uh tenets of the faith um so that they can live by faith but there's also wisdom principles um proverbs is is somewhat of a catechism um it's it's to teach uh it's primarily um focused on young men primarily a a father to a, a a young a young man maybe maybe um anywhere from the ages of 10 to like you know uh 10 to like 16 or so to raise him up to prepare him for the world um but it's not exclusively for young men because it, it, proverbs is also as it's stated can be used um to for a wise man will hear an increase in learning a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel so it's throughout all of life and it's not just men but there there are as you go through proverbs you see some many proverbs that are specifically directed towards men um especially in the area of um you know of uh sexual immorality um to beware of of the harlot to um, beware of adultery, um, so it is kind of uh, a father to a to a son. Um, now, uh, Doctor Mayhew on page thirty-three of the book says Proverbs instructs about skillfully manifesting God's character and will in one's everyday life, making godly decisions, and being so oriented to God that one's life choices always please him so it's it's imparting wisdom to to a a young person you know but also imparting wisdom to you know uh, people of every age so that they can they can um, manifest God's character in their everyday life Um, as they go throughout their daily life they, they make make godly decisions and so that their choices will, will please God. Uh, we we'll go to the next slide. So we want to view, um, we want to view all of Proverbs through, through that grid, that, that it's to, to raise you up and to guide you through life so that you will glorify God in the, in the small decisions. Now, as most of you, I'm sure, have read Proverbs, they're, they're pithy sta- statements um and and there's there's ways that we we learn those things um you know we don't it the purpose is so that it'll instruct us in godly living so that we can apply wisdom to our lives but we don't walk around with our bible and every decision we make we check Hey, wait let me like open up and look at a proverb and so i can figure out you know what bank to use or what job to go to or you know where to go eat, or you know who to marry, or you know just the the hundreds of decisions we make every day. the The way proverbs is used, there's a pedagogy, and um, for the most part, they're principles. Most of them are principles. Some of them are are um, specific specific areas of instruction. Specific things: do this, don't do that. Um, but for the most part, they're principles. Um, but there's also persuasion. There's persuasion. And, and Proverbs has, um, you, you'll see this if you re- read it a lot, um, from chapter 1 to about 9. Chapter 1 to 9 is, is a lot of introductory material. It's laying the groundwork. Um, there's more of, a, more of a context in chapter 1 to 9. And then after 10 and on, there's, those, there's more of the pithy statements, the short statements um, the, you, you see more the compare and contrast. But in the beginning, there's a lot of persuasion. Um, like in in chapter 1, verse 8, it says, Hear my son, your father's instruction, forsake not your mother's teaching. It, say, it talks about, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Um, onward, he talks about the the benefits of wisdom, and, and he's persuading him to uh, follow wisdom and to avoid foolishness. There's also pleading. There's pleading about to uh, resist the evil person, the wicked person, to not be foolish, um, to uh, seek wisdom with all your might, to seek her as as silver and gold. And and then there's warning. There's warning about what happens to the wicked person, what happens to the fool, um, what happens to the adulterer. Um, There's grave warning. But for the most part, there's there's compare and contrast. You see a lot of compare and contrast in, in Proverbs. And so there's a positive side and a negative side. Okay, for the most part... The positive aspect of if you apply this principle of wisdom to your life, this will happen in negative. But if you do this, then this will happen. Um, Principles. So we we see a negative and a positive. There's a compare and contrast. We see a lot of of buts, for's, ands. Um, There's some rephrasing. Some rephrasing of of Proverbs. And and you can see this in... um, Weights and measures. Uh, just for example, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, it says, a, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. And then we can, we can turn to, uh, to chapter 16. 16 and it says 1611 adjust balance and scales are the Lord all the weights in the bag are his work and, and further there, there's other um, rephrasing of these these proverbs there's other other rephrasings of um, about weights and balances about the fool and um, the wicked man so it, it's kind of like hitting the same principle from a different angle. There's also repetition. There's repetition in Proverbs, such as uh, in Proverbs 16.25, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And yet we also see that same proverb in chapter 14, Chapter fourteen, verse twelve. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is a way to death. So we see these this pedagogy of principle. Most of it is principle. There's persuasion. There's pleading, warning, compare and contrast, showing, um, showing the disciple or whoever is to read the student of the negative effects and the positive effects, so that he can compare and contrast. There's a rephrasing to of the principles to, to hit the proverb from a different direction. Then there's repetition. Now, how this was taught is a lot of it, like a catechism, is repetition. The student would learn over and over again, um, would repeat, would re, would recite it um, as a father would teach his son, as a father would teach his, his daughter, or a mother would teach her daughters um, to to get that information in, in their in their mind to, to acquire that wisdom so that then when they go out in the world they can uh, they can apply it to they can apply it to all the various um, aspects of life. Now the practice of Proverbs next slide the practice of Proverbs, how how we apply that, a lot of it and, and this is what I, I want you I want you all to to pay attention to as we go through um, the marketplace wisdom um, is observation observation is is a big one and, and that's that's kind of like in between the the pedagogy and the practice uh, it's kind of part of the assimilation it is observing um, but it's also practice because as you observe. The world around you, and you see how people act, and how they behave, and and how they make decisions. Um, it, you can then go, and you read proverbs, and and you you remember, you remember those instances, those events, those those situations where you've seen people, and and, and the proverbs come to life. Um, conversely, if you if you study proverbs and and you read it and you you acquire that wisdom and then you go out in the world you observe things and and if you're observant and and you you make a concerted effort to observe um the people around you and the people in society then you start to see proverbs come out you start to see proverbs come to life Um, second there's the application there's the application of of making a concerted effort to read um, certain Proverbs, to memorize certain Proverbs. And, and, and this, is, this is a good habit to get, to get into. Um, I'm sure all of you um, have memorized verses. You, you do your daily Bible reading or, or as you have read the Bible, as you um, go to church and you hear a lesson or you hear a sermon, um, you might hear a verse that, oh, that, that I'm struggling with that issue, and so that would probably be a good verse for me to memorize. And so as you memorize verses, then you figure out, how do, how do I apply this? How do I apply this to my life? And then there's experience. Experience kind of like observation. Um, you know, we all have experiences in life and especially in the workplace and things that that we, we do in, in, in our families, in our relationships. And then as we read Proverbs, those Proverbs come to life or, or um, they give us ideas about how we can better relate to other people, better um, order our behaviors and, and our conduct in the world. And then finally, there's training. Um, as you have applied Proverbs to your life, and you teach it to others; it it kind of um, cements that. It, it reinforces that. As you teach others, you, you're you're reinforcing what you already know. You're learning. So so as you um, train children or young people or or people who are are not as far along as you are in, in your walk, um, you're you're reinforcing those aspects. So, uh, next slide. The Foundations. Foundations of, I put this up here, uh, foundations of marketplace wisdom. Of how we conduct ourselves in, our, in the workplace and in the marketplace, in the world, as we go through our day-to-day li- lives. And it's, the foundations start with the image of God. Uh, we're all created in the image of God. And as we um, see in Genesis, in the beginning, when, when, when God created man, He created him with a purpose. And, and He created him to work. He created Adam to uh, rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. Adam was to uh, to be fruitful and multiply and, and and fill the earth and subdue it to have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens over every living thing that moves on earth. Adam and Eve were created in the image of God to rep- to be God's representatives on earth and, and part of that was to work to work to cultivate the land. Adam was... Adam was a farmer. He was a worker of the field, but he was also a scientist. Because God brought the he brought the the animals before him to see what Adam would name them. He categorized them. Adam was the most intelligent human being to ever walk the face of the earth until Jesus Christ came. He, he, his mind was like a supercomputer. And, and he was to represent God as God was a worker, as God Created the the world and the the universe in six days and rested on the seventh. And so um, Adam was to represent God in that way, and he was to work. He had work to do. Now the the second level, I put competence and contribution. Now, as we look at marketplace wisdom, as um, Fathers and, and, and mothers are to train up their children as, as, uh, as we are to disciple young people. Um, we look at um, raising up children to be competent and to contribute to the world, to, to learn a skill a trade, to, um, to be effective. And, and that's, a, that's part of the, the marketplace wisdom, imparting the, the wisdom principles to them. And then the next level is, is to build character, to build not just to be effective and to contribute to society, but to ha- be a person of character. We read this in Deuteronomy six, to um, as as God as Moses had um, communicated the commands to the Israelites of, of about how they were to teach their children, the type of people they were to be, and then Proverbs twenty two. Um, 6 uh, which I um, recall um, Mark um, talking to if you guys learn it, it, it's not train up a child according to the way he should go and when he is older he shall not depart from it or in the way he should go It, it it's it's more of a warning than a principle um, if you train up a child um according to his own way he will not depart from it when he is older that's that's how the hebrew reads um and and so we are to um train up our children and, and, and to disciple those um less mature than ours to to be people of character to apply um biblical principles to their lives and then finally our our goal our our ultimate goal of how we are to conduct ourselves in the world, why we are to um, be wise in our behaviors is Christ likeness. We are to emulate Christ. And we read this in Luke chapter 2, and you you can turn turn there, Luke chapter 2. And Christ was the epitome of wisdom. He was the epitome of all these principles within Proverbs. He uh, he grew in wisdom and stature, and with favor and favor with men. And we read that um, in Luke chapter two, uh, verses forty and following. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And then we see this this scene of when he was in the temple. When he was in the temple, and uh, all the all the people were, were coming, they they were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And then, in verse verse fifty two, it says, "And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man." Jesus epitomized the proverbs. He he uh, from the time he was twelve until his public ministry. Uh, which began when he was age thirty. You know, the Bible doesn't. We don't. We don't know. It doesn't specifically state what was happening, but we know he was. He was wise. He he grew in favor with God. and Man, he was the epitome of a faithful Jew. Um, he had a job. He con- he contributed to society. He was a man of character. He uh, he had a trade. He epitomized all these proverbs that we will be looking at, and so that—that's who we're, we we are called to emulate, as Colossians one twenty-eight says that we uh, we teach and admonish every man that that we may present them mature in Christ. So categories, these categories that we'll go through of the marketplace wisdom that uh, Doctor Mayhew has has kind of divided up. So we have. Integrity and dishonesty. Surety, which is guarantor or um, co-signing for someone. Putting up a pledge for somebody. Truth and honesty. Wealth, riches, prosperity, poverty. And then work and labor. So we're not going to go through every one of them that are in the book. Um, We we don't have time to do that. But as I go through these, I I, I want you... um, to look at the, the pedagogy and look at the practice. And uh, we'll do some interaction. Uh, next slide. So, when you look at, uh, we'll, we'll walk through each one of these verses. And I want you to, to see whether it's a principle, compare and contrast, a re, uh, rephrasing, repetition, uh, persuasion, pleading, warning. And then practice. How have you observed this, either in your own life, in the life of someone else? How have you applied this? Have you experienced these Proverbs? Um, or have you trained up someone else, one, one of your children or a disciple, um, to memorize this and to apply this to, the, to their lives? So um, I'll just read them and then... if and then I'll ask, and, and then um, we'll do a little bit of interaction as we go through these proverbs for marketplace wisdom. Okay, two seven. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. So, anybody, what do you what do you think that is a uh, principle? Um, what what is what does that mean? Have you observed that? In your own life, have you applied that? Anyone? He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. <clears throat> who is the He? God. That's God. <clears throat> now, there's there's two, two aspects of it. And, and you see this throughout of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs primarily teaches wisdom, but there's also a righteousness aspect to it. So it's like God is is holding wisdom for the righteous. So those who are righteous, there's a a moral aspect to wisdom that He gives those who walk in integrity, those who are righteous, who seek to be a righteous person, He gives wisdom. He stores it up for them. Has anybody experienced that? He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. You see that in your workplace. Maybe someone in your workplace who is who is a righteous person, who is upstanding, who who seeks to you know even if it goes against their their own favor, to be a person of integrity and to do what's right. Have you seen them be protected? in any way? Or or yourself experience that in your own life, in your own workplace, um, in in the marketplace as as you buy and sell? God will... That's a promise. That's a principle. That's a principle of wisdom. Next one. Ill-gotten gains do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death it's also kind of in the same vein that there's um righteousness delivers from death it, almost like the the righteousness will will guide you will, it'll, it'll help you um, righteousness will protect you but the ill-gotten gains usually uh you know you think of the get rich quick or the um, scheming or um Selling something to somebody that's, um, you know, you overpriced, or you know, it, it's it's uh, not worth what you know you're selling it for. It's an ill-gotten gain. In the end, does not profit. Has anybody ex- ever experienced that or seen that in someone else's life? Someone tries to sell something or, or get rich quick, and and in the end, it does not profit them. It turns around, and and sometimes they they gotta pay more end up paying more um I, i've heard of has any, anybody know a bondo what bondo is bondo you you kind of put it on a car you can cover up the bumps and the scratches and the paints and it's like this uh ceramic almost like a plaster of paris um type thing uh why well, i remember growing up i remember a a guy used to tell me about how when he was young, when he was a teenager, he used to take old cars and he used to put that bondo, cheap bondo on, cover up the dents and the scratches and stuff, and then sand it off and paint it and make it look like it's brand new and then sell it way more than it's supposed to be. Well, you know, I I don't recall him ever getting caught. Um said one time he, he, he got caught doing that. Um, but in the end, um, I mean, he was always a, a charlatan. You know, and, and, and the, the charlatans in life, you'll see, you know, they, they might get quick get rich or, or make money quick, but in the end, it, it does not profit them. It, it's those who are righteous that that will, in the end, profit. Um, next one, 10, 9-10. He who walks in integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his way will be found out. He who winks the eye causes trouble and a babbling fool will be ruined. Anybody want to take a stab at, at this? What what what's the principle behind this? What, what is this talking about? There, there's a compare and contrast. Yeah, there's definitely a compare and contrast. There's a warning. Yeah, there's a repetition. Yep. There's a, there's a sense of, of, of truth and honesty uh, of the, the person who, who winks, they're, they're being deceptive. They're, they're seeking to cause trouble. Uh, a babbling fool is someone who's, whose words are meaningless. They're, they're, just, they're just talking to talk. And, and usually usually they're trying to puff themselves up, trying to show um, trying to make themselves to appear uh, more important than they actually are. But someone who walks in integrity walks securely. That that is transparent. Uh, a person who walks in tr- integrity is truthful. They're honest about themselves. They're they're transparent. This is who I am. Uh, I'm I'm not trying to cover anything up. This is talking about hypocrisy. It, it, it's hypocrisy, and, and especially you know y- you you can apply it in the marketplace, in the workplace. Someone. Who, who's trying to kiss up to the boss, trying to make themselves seem like they're better than they really are, better th- at their job than they really are, who, who's, who's selling, always selling themselves versus the, the person that is just quiet and honest and a professional that's just seeking to do their job with excellence, even though if, if they're quiet and, and the boss might not notice them over time, Time and truth go hand in hand. Over time, they will be found out and they will be awarded for their integrity. But the person who is a babbling fool, who winks with his eye, who is deceptive, but is not a person of integrity, they, they will be found out. They will be found out. Next one, 11.1. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. What what's that one all about? Any ideas, principle behind that one? To be a person of integrity, I mean, the false balance. And um, for those who don't know, um, uh, back in in that day, um, goods were were sold. They are weighed, and still many many parts of the world is still done that way. Um, we we go buy produce at the at the at the grocery store and and um, you buy bulk produce and you weigh it out you weigh it on a scale. But in those days and in most parts of the world, when you go buy something, you barter. You barter with uh, the merchant, with the salesman in, in a big marketplace where there's people buying and selling goods. You barter, and and sometimes their scales would be off or, or they would cheat you. Um, you can think of uh, loaded dice. Um, it, it's it's dishonesty. It's dishonesty. But we we can we can take this a bit further and and look in accounting terms, and overestimating, underestimating, um, fudging the numbers a little bit, um, cooking the books. Um, it's an abomination. But. Just weight is His delight. Whatever the outcome is, to be honest with the numbers, to be honest with the weight. 11.3, the integrity of the upright will guide them, but the crookedness of the treacherous will destroy them. Any comments on that one? That's a warning. It's definitely a warning. It's a warning. There's also a compare and contrast of the upright. There's something I want to point out here there's objectivity and subjectivity. In other words, the integrity of the upright will guide them. An upright person, a person with integrity, is living according to principles, they're not veering. But even if if you look at the two words crookedness and treacherous, that's almost like the way is not straight. It's crooked. Their their way isn't straight. It's not according to any principle. It's treacherous. It's devious. It's whatever works. The ends justify the means. Versus the integrity integrity of the upright, it's not about the ends. It's about the principles. And so there is a compare and contrast. There's a positive and a negative. And 12.5. The thoughts of the righteous are just, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. Has anybody ever experienced this? Observed it in your life? You Think of, of counsel, of, of worldly Wisdom. Um, from from friends who are or coworkers who are unbelievers, and they're they're giving you um, counsel. Oh no no you need you need to to sell that sell that um, to this person and, and charge them this much, or or um, buy this, or um, this is how you get ahead in the, in the workplace, or this is what you need to do in this relationship. Um, but the thoughts of the righteous are just they're always always thinking about what is right what is just what is fair they're they're not thinking about how how to get ahead but the wicked are always no, no you know you want to do this you want to you want to get ahead okay so well then the next next two slides we'll go to um, Move on to surety. guarantor. And this one is 6, 1 to 5. So, so this, is, this is putting up a pledge, being a cosigner, vouching for someone. My son, if you have become surety for your neighbor, have given a pledge for a stranger, if you have been snared with the words of your mouth, have been caught with the words of your mouth, do this then, my son, and deliver yourself. Since you have come into the hand of your neighbor, go, humble yourself and importune your neighbor. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hunter's hand and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Can anybody guess what this is all about? An idea. Surety, being a guarantor. Giving a pledge for a stranger. In, in our day and age, we don't, there there's very few examples. The, the one example that comes to mind is co-signing for a loan for somebody, co-signing for a car or or whatever. Um, in that day and age, um, being surety, it it, it was kind of the same way. It was mostly had to deal with loans. Um, it, if you were surety for somebody. Um, a friend and and usually what what this this passage is talking about is the the father is warning his son about being being overly generous um, being you know a a good person but also being foolish being oblivious being um, gullible unaware Um, someone comes up hey hey can you just put up your pledge for this. I I need this loan for this house or for this um, piece of farm equipment or for um, this mule or this donkey or whatever it had to be in the in the ancient world. Um, you know, the, the, this guy is is going to sell this to me, um, this plot of land or whatever, and, and he has a good price. I, I've negotiated a good price, but I don't have the money right now. I will I'll have it in a month. If you can just, like, give him a pledge, and usually a pledge would be a cloak or something, some personal possession that the young man would give or somebody else would give for their their friend. Yeah, I pledge for this person that he's good for it. He will pay. And the Father is saying, don't be foolish. Like, that's, you know... You seem like you're being generous, like you're being a good person, but you will be snared. You will be caught. Um, and I haven't I haven't personally witnessed it um, so much to that extent, but uh, I learned earlier in life not to co-sign um, for other people. And uh, one of them, my brother asked me to co-sign for a car one time and, and he's, he's an unbeliever. He's not not good with his finances and and i told him no i, I can't co-sign for you i'm not going to co-sign for you and then he turned around well i remember dad co-signed for you for a truck and years ago and i was like you know what? i wish he wouldn't have because i, I would have learned to save my money to be more disciplined to be more diligent but he did he did co-sign for me but i can't co-sign for you and it's that, a hard decision to make sometimes and here we we see it in proverbs he's warning him don't do this because it, it, it'll end up it, it'll go wrong. it'll end up being bad because if you have to put up a pledge for somebody else and this, this kind of means you know what they're, they're probably not good for it. He who is a guarantor for a stranger will surely suffer for it but he who hates being a guarantor is secure. 11:15 especially a, a, a stranger. And this is this is for the 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 person who, who is overly generous, overly generous, but, but maybe you know maybe gullible. They, they, they may not see a deceptive person taking advantage of them. But he who hates being a guarantor is secure. Someone who hates being indebted, if you hate debt, you hate the fact that you are to owe somebody, you're secure. It was, I've done a lot of dumb things in my life, a lot of unwise things, but probably the wisest thing I've ever done is just just had um, an abhorrence to debt. I always hated the fact of that, the fact that I would owe somebody even five dollars or whatever, and, and and that secures you, that keeps you secure. If you hate debt, and, and then you'll work. If you have debt, you'll work to to get rid of it. And, and you'll, you'll try to keep yourself from going in debt. day. Uh, loans are not bad in and of themselves because we all, almost everybody has to take out a loan. Almost everybody has used credit, um, especially when it comes to houses and cars. And, um, but we, we need to be wise with those things. And we, we need to be wise with how we use credit and how we use loans. And next slide. We'll, we'll go to the next, next one. Truth and honesty. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So w- w- what is this? What, what category does this fall into in, in the pedagogy, in the practice? How, persuasion. There's persuasion. Rephrasing. There, there's a principle, yeah. How, how have you seen this, or has anybody seen this um, work out in your own life or in someone else's? Have you observed it? Have you applied it? Kindness and truth. This is this is hand in hand, hand um, two principles, because because you can, especially in our circles, um, you can be. Um, truthful you, uh, especially when it comes to the word of God and it comes to um, living by, by sound doctrine and living by the word of God and, and proclaiming the word of God and teaching other people but <clears throat> if you do so without kindness a lot of times it will fall on deaf ears or you can be looked at as a hypocrite but certainly in the, <clears throat> in the aspect of marketplace wisdom kindness and truth kindness and truth the way you interact with coworkers. the way you um, who has ever evaluated somebody you ever, you ever have a, perf- a performance evaluation at work you evaluate somebody and, and you have to tell them the truth about where they stand their performance how they are doing and if you haven't evaluated somebody you may have been evaluated yourself and somebody's come to you, and, and they've had to tell you the truth. And sometimes, you know, people will either skirt around the truth because they don't want to be unkind, or they're harsh with the truth, and, and you're just you're you're destroyed. Or sometimes you can destroy somebody else if they're, hey, listen, you know, I, I I've seen you you're late all the time, or you know you're you're just you're slacking off at work. Your 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 breaks are too long, or you know I, I know you can do better. You're smarter than than um, what you put on, and um, you know when when those um, interactions happen between a superior and a subordinate, kindness and truth. Uh, as a as a young lieutenant in the in the National Guard, I, I remember um, there was when, when I was going through an airborne course, and there was a retired infantry colonel, a, a Vietnam vet, that was serving in the chapel, and and I, I would sit with them and um, talk with them about mostly about ministry, but he gave me a, a, a bit of wisdom for leading troops, and he said, "Give them truth and hope." He's like, now, now you can't give them truth without hope, and you can't give them hope without truth. You need to give them both, truth and hope. You, you need to be truthful about the situation that, that is laid out in front of them, about the mission or about um, the training or about what's going to happen, e- even if it's tough, even if it's, if it's hard. But you also need to give them hope that, that they'll be able to get through it. And conversely, you can't just give them hope that everything's going to be all right without giving them all the details that they need to know to complete their job. Kindness and truth. Okay. Okay, we'll skip down. twelve seventeen, he who speaks truth tells what is right, but a false witness deceit. That that's that's pretty pretty self explanatory. There, there's a contrast between the truthful, honest person and the liar, the false witness, who's bearing false witness. And and we should see this a lot. You, there, there should be many Um, application, many um, examples of this in the workplace and in the marketplace. Truthful lips will be established forever, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. Can anybody take a stab at that? What, what, What do you think that means? 1219, truthful lips will be established forever, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. What do we see there in the pedagogy, in the practice? There's a compare and contrast, definitely. Compare and contrast, a, a positive and a negative. What, what else do we see? There's a warning. There, there's a principle there. there. There's a longevity of the truthful, the, the, the honest person. There, there's longevity to their words. Their, their, their words stick. Truthful lips, their words, but there's also credibility. Truthful lips will be established forever. They're, they're a credible person. You, you've seen what they have said in the past come true, and and time and truth go hand in hand. Over time, you see their truth and, and their words are established. Their words are memorable, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. A person who tells lies. You, you, you quickly disregard that person. You see what they, they say is uh, is untrue and you disregard them. Over time, you're like, don't listen to him. I'm not going to listen to that person again. And, and you tell other people, don't listen to them. And, and not only are their words forgotten, but they are forgotten. Because it, they're only for a moment. They're fleeting. There's nothing substantial to that person. Truth and honesty. So we're getting getting short on time so I'll just cruise down to the next one wealth riches prosperity and poverty first one uh, three nine to ten honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine this one's kind of hard. It, Anybody want to take a guess at this one? Where, where does this line up? What do you see? What aspects do you see in this, this passage? There's a principle. There's definitely a principle. If, <clears throat> if you honor the Lord from your wealth, from the first of all your produce, um, your, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with wine. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> as with... <clears throat> Excuse me. As with most of proverbs, is this is this truth? Is this like if you do this will if you do A will B happen? No, not necessarily. But you will have you will have what you need, right? If you honor the Lord from your wealth and the first of all your produce, who who gives us wealth? God. God gives and He takes away. So, this is kind of the sense that if you do this, you, you're you're recognizing who your wealth comes from. You're recognizing who is your provider. You're, you're showing your faith. You're putting God on display. And, and God may not make you rich. That, that, that may not... Um, be what his plan is for you, but you will always have what you need. You will always have plenty. Your vats will overflow with new wine. You, you will have... The, there will be an income of, of new wine. It might not be overflowing. But for the most part, this is there is some truth to this. It's not concrete, but the, the, for the most part, there is some truth to this. That he who is faithful with little will be faithful with much. And... and and God, for the most part, generally, if you're faithful to honor Him from your wealth, for the most part, He, He will, He will give you more. But it's not, it's not concrete. It's not, it's not something that you can, you can uh, say is definitely going to happen. But there is a principle there that um, you understand where wealth comes from. You, you understand. What, what true wealth is, is, is your, your true wealth, your true um, value, your true riches are, are in the Lord. And He gives. And, and that the, the material blessings of this life, the material comforts, they, they, they come and go. We'll go to the, the next slide. Ten four. Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. It's another one. Is is this, as with the the one before it, is this? Can can you bet on this happening? Is is this always true? It's not always true, but is for the most part is is a principle that we can live by. Um, There there are has anybody seen a rich fool or uh, you see a lot of them on tv and then the uh, yeah there, there, there's there's rich fools there's there's people that that, that get rich that are foolish and, and and some of them you know continue to be foolish and continue usually celebrities um, but but there there is a principle there that you know if you are diligent you will you will become rich not Filthy rich, but you, you know you, you will you will have enough. You will have enough, and and, and more often than not, more than enough. Eleven four. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. As with the rest of Proverbs, there's this there's this link between righteousness and wisdom. And the wise person, the wise person seeks to be righteous. Their 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 wealth, their riches are in God, and they seek to be, they seek righteousness. They they do not set their hearts on riches, because they in the end the riches do not profit. Eleven twenty eight. He who trusts in his riches will fall. But the righteous will flourish like the green leaf. Has anybody ever experienced this? Has seen this, observed it in somebody else? Somebody who trusts in their riches. Their riches are everything. Their possessions are all that they are. And and yet a righteous person who may not have as much is happy, is flourishing, is abounding. Yeah. And the Great Depression people who would give I, I remember my my grandparents um, they, they would uh, my dad always said about how they grew up in the Great Depression and they would give they, they would they would always support and, and and the people who who got by were the ones that would would always be willing to help somebody else out because they knew that they needed help and so they, they, they couldn't let anybody just go hungry and so they they were They were righteous. 13.18 Poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline, but he who regards reproof will be honored. What do we see there? Poverty and shame. Poverty and shame. To him who neglects discipline. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a warning. How, how can we apply that in the workplace? We've seen that in the workplace or in the marketplace. Poverty and shame comes to him who neglects discipline. Someone who doesn't listen to his boss. Someone who um, fails to heed the warnings of the boss. Someone who is not self-disciplined. Um, there's, there's shame of losing a position of being demoted. Of losing a job but the one who regards the reproof the one who takes the correction who seeks correction they, they, they will be honored I've seen that several times where um, you've had a person who wasn't so much um, a talented worker or a stellar performer and yet they're willing to take correction they're willing to receive instruction and then over time they, they, they turn into a success a success story in the workplace. say so, you know I, I remember when this person first came on the job and they were just in shambles and yet they stuck and they listened and they they accepted instruction and they grew and now they're the best employee. And yet the one that's that's prideful and thinks they, they, they know it all they they know what to do. There's poverty and shame. Okay. Oh, cruise to work and labor. Work and labor. And I'm just going to do one more and then I'll end. Um, 12.11 He who tills his land will have plenty of bread but he who pursues worthless things lacks sense. What do we see here? the one who tills his land versus the one who pursues worthless things. There's compare and contrast. There's a warning. How how do we apply it in our world? Yeah, you don't work, you don't eat. But worthless things. What do you think worthless things is in our day and age? Gamers? Fantasies, yeah. Um, pursues pleasure, um, spending all their money on just useless things. Um, always have to have the the next gadget, the next toy, um, and the the get rich quick schemes. The um, going after business opportunities without doing all their research. And yet the one who is diligent to just do the simple things and and do his work, um, he'll he'll always have plenty. He'll always have plenty. Rather than the person who is discontent. There's a sense of discontentment here. There's contentment versus discontentment. Being content with your job and your position in life and where God has placed you versus always being discontent, always looking to try to get a leg up, always... Looking for the next best thing, but the person who is diligent and content. This doesn't mean that we can't change jobs or look for a better employment or better ourselves. But it, it, there, there's a sense of, you know, how content um, we are versus you know whether or not we're discontent. So I just want to close now. Um, we went through some proverbs. We went through. Um, You know, the foundation. We went through the purpose to teach us wisdom, to instruct people. We went through the pedagogy of the principles, persuasions, pleadings, warnings, the compare and contrasts, the repetition. And you can apply these proverbs to your life by um, going through them, by reading them, by repeating them, and, and observing the world around you and how those specific proverbs fit in there. Um, fit into your life and, and you experience these things but you have to be in the word and you have to you know apply them and now proverbs is a big book and and you know it may um most of us probably couldn't memorize all of it and apply all of it to our lives but but we can read through it we can pick out a verse here and there that applies to our specific situation and memorize that and see how that applies to our lives when we read through it we can think about our world and our situation our workplace in our um, in, in, in the marketplace and how that applies. but I just want to I just want to close with this um, Matthew 5:13 says, "You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. In the Sermon on the Mount, Christ is talking to the disciples, and he's he's telling the disciples you're you are the salt, you're 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 bold and, and, and taste tasteful you you have you have taste um you 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 have seasoning um but you're also uh a preservative against the decay of the world and you're a light and you're supposed to shine as a light and this is who we are to be in the marketplace and in our workplaces we're to be salt and light and we be salt and light by the way we apply by our wise and godly conduct by our righteousness and proverbs um, will help us in those regards, but but we gotta take take that that to heart that that portion of the Sermon on the Mount that um, the reason why God has left us here is to glorify Him, so that we may shine, and and, and the people around us, our coworkers, our neighbors, our 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 friends, um, they the unbelievers in our lives they may see our good works and glorify god and they may ask they, they may come to ask us about our our behavior about the wisdom and we gotta wonder do they ask do they ask us do they see our wise living so with that i'm, I'm going to close in prayer but before i do um if any of you i have these handouts um I, I just—if you want a print copy, you can come to me. We, you, we can give you a copy. If you want me to email you an electronic copy, you can give me your email address, and I'll do so. And there's some resources that um, I have listed that will help you out—sermons and articles and books. So with that, I'm going to close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your word. Thank you for your instruction. That you did not leave us to um, figure out life on our own, according to our own. Um, thoughts and desires and motives, but you give us wisdom and wisdom cries out if we would only search for it. Please um, give us a desire for wisdom. Help us to apply wisdom. Help us to remember the things that we have learned. Um, And as we go through our lives in the workplace and the marketplace, um, please bring those um, principles of wisdom to mind that we would apply them to our lives and that we would... Truly be salt and light and shine as lights in this world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.